Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of the Yard. Hope you guys had a great weekend. It was good weather around here. It was. A lot of things going on. You know how you know how it is? It's like you got these big plans and there's steps you got to take and sometimes it takes a while. It does. I'm looking to knock off a few things off the to-do list this week. Give me a busy week. It always is. You think the ball game slow down. What happens is everything else that you've kind of been putting off kind of piles up. you got to address it. So that's where I am. And uh, first thing today is knocking out this show. We've got a few other things we've got to do. A lot, a lot of things going on, for sure. Positive, positive things. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I've enjoyed some college baseball this weekend, not as much as I would enjoy it if we were playing. You know, when you've got a vested interest, everything is a little more entertaining. But uh, we did see some good games over the weekend. We'll talk about that much later in the show. We also had our second day of summer camps on Saturday. The talent pool a lot more shallow on Saturday than it was on Thursday. Thursday, of course, you had most of your priority targets in. We discussed that on Friday's show. A little bit, a little bit thinner. Had some nice underclassmen uh, there at the event on Saturday. That's something to kind of watch as we move forward. But the uh, reality of it is, is that uh, it's going to be a busy week this week as we have camps Tuesdays, Thursday, and Saturday. And then we'll uh, we'll see how things go. We'll probably do something else in July when they had the big cookout thing. You know, we used to call it the Summer Slam. It was Big Dog Camp and then Summer Slam, and I don't know what they call it. But the reality of it is, is anytime you can get guys on your campus interacting with your staff, touring your facilities, becoming more comfortable with your players, it's a great thing. So busy week, and uh, be a busy week around the conference as a lot of other schools are having their, their camps. So some of your favorite players may be on the road going to see the competition. You'll read some articles, and you'll get mad about it, and you'll get upset about it. Reality of it is, a lot of these guys are still just kind of sorting through their options. And when they get interviewed, they're going to be asked questions about that specific school more times than not. So you're going to think, oh, this is skewed. Now, that's not the case. But like we do it sometimes too, right? I mean, when you've got a guy that you know is committed to Mississippi State or is about to commit to Mississippi State, you're going to ask questions that are more Mississippi State centric. You kind of get caught up in that sometimes too. You've got to be careful. Because if you don't ask the right question, you could get blindsided by something later. One of the things I always try to ask guys is, well, what's, you know, what else is going on? Who else are you talking to? What other visits are you going to take? It's important to understand that. You get so caught up in your own tunnel vision at times, you could miss the real story. And that means you may have a flip on your hands. And uh, it's important to understand, too, right now Mississippi State has some momentum in state, but you need to be aware of this. Ole Miss is going to get it back at some point. It will be a seesaw affair until the very end. That's how it is. And to be honest with you, I'm excited about it. Not that I want to lose a recruit to Ole Miss, certainly not. But it's been rather boring the last few years with in-state recruiting. You know, with Ole Miss committing so many spots to the portal, I think now kind of realizing maybe they've got to walk that back a little bit. 
they're more active in-state. Plus, we've got a really good in-state crop this year, much better than we've had the last couple of years, in my, my opinion. And uh, so you're going to have a lot of players that probably take official visits to both State and Ole Miss. That just hadn't been the case the last few years. And that's not to say that State and Ole Miss haven't signed some good glasses. We have. But there hasn't been nearly as much drama when it comes to in-state recruits. Yeah, I remember several years back, you know, the class of A.J. Brown and Kobe Jones and Jeffrey Simmons, that group there, uh, if I remember correctly, Jeffrey Simmons was the only guy in that class that visited both State and Ole Miss as an undeclared prospect. Yeah. Think about that for a second. There haven't been many since then that have visited both schools. It just just doesn't happen. For one reason or another, maybe it's a you know, philosophical deal when it comes to recruiting. Maybe it's all strategic or the fact that when the guys commit to one school or another, they're truly committed and they're not taking visits. And, and the commitments are coming much earlier these days. They truly are. You're not having nearly as many guys wait until the postseason or even the official visit stretch to make their decisions. More times than not, guys are committing prior to or during their senior seasons. Just kind of one of the things that we've seen. So it's important to understand that. But it's going to be an entertaining year this year with in-state recruiting. You might as well get ready. No matter who you are, where you're from, who you cheer for, it is going to be one of those years where your favorite recruit will likely visit other schools. This past weekend, Stonka Burnside, Starville High School guy, we expect him to go to Mississippi State, took an official visit to Texas A&M. And like many of you, my attitude's always been like this. You know, kind of like dating, right? Uh, you want your significant other to do all of their dating before they get engaged to you, right? Same thing. I mean, not exactly the same thing, but the principle still applies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously, if you're in a committed relationship, you don't need to be dating other people. I don't judge. I just wouldn't live my life that way. But you don't like your committed prospects visiting other schools because it means they're having perhaps some anxiety or some, I don't know, maybe some misgivings about a future with you. The same thing can be said in your dating relationships. If they're dating you and dating other people, it's probably good not to go by the ring. Just, you know, you didn't know you were going to get relationship advice today, but you did. Speaking of relationship advice, next time you're in town, take your true love to Bulldog Burger Company. It's a great place for a date. It's a great place for a business luncheon. It's a great place just to recreate with friends. A lot of times I go alone. I go a little bit later than you guys, and I go sit in the booth by myself and get on my phone, and I enjoy that Mississippi barbecue burger that is absolutely outstanding. I don't get the spring rolls when I dine alone. That's a little bit much. I mean, I can't make myself that much more beautiful. I mean, eating a double dose of spring rolls might be more than the city can bear, right? But you need it. And if you're there with friends, everybody needs it. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer to make you and everybody around you better looking. It's true. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger. It's one of the fine delicacies we afford ourselves. Get that chocolate shake to go. Again, I'm kind of riding the Nutella wave here as of late. I think my last three visits, I've got that Nutella shake to go. Don't tell my wife, but I have. Uh, you can do that and enjoy it. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, and Ridge and Flowood area. Be mindful, live music again coming up soon in Tupelo. And the tap takeovers will kind of rotate around the three locations. There's some cool things, not just your typical uh, Bulldog Burger experience. There will be some special occasions for you to go by and uh, have some specials 
but also too uh, some live music and perhaps uh, some some brew that maybe is somewhat unfamiliar to you. So be sure and check them out next time you're in town. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. All right, I want to share with you guys um, something that happened over the weekend that uh, I think is important. Uh, I had a thread about it over at jeanspage.com. So if you were a jeanspage subscriber, you probably read some of these comments, but I want to expound upon them and, and kind of share some insight and some intel about some interactions and observations I have about Zach Arnett. So I, you know, most of you that know me know I come from a retail background. And uh, I worked for a guy named Jim Sears in Hattiesburg, Mississippi at 909 Hardy Street at the Hollygmeyer's Furniture Store. First, I worked for Frank Thomas, then Jim came in. Uh, Jim was a former manager in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi. I respect Jim Sears a lot. A lot of what I know about managing people, I learned from Jim Sears. He was a guy that believed in accountability. He's also a guy that believed that there was no job beneath him as our general manager, it didn't matter if it was work to do in the warehouse or work to do on the sales floor or closing a deal or dealing with a customer. Jim was always the kind of guy that was like, hey, I can handle it. So my value system as it comes to management is in that same vein in many respects. Uh, there was an understanding that Jim was the boss, but it wasn't because he declared himself to be the boss. He led us. He was the guy, whenever there was an issue, he was the biggest voice in the room. And we followed him. And you enjoyed working for a guy like that rather than the guy that just sat in his office all the time and, uh, you know, smoked voice, Viceroy cigarettes. And we didn't have the Internet back then, so we couldn't scroll Facebook. But you understand my point is that when you are a subordinate employee, you need good leadership. And everybody looks to the leader to see how to act. That's a profound truth of life. It doesn't just reflect retail or sports. The leader sets the culture. So Saturday, we're at camp. And, uh, you know, there's a battery of testing that goes on. You know, they were in the 40s. They do the short shuttle. They do the three cone or the L cone drill, whatever you want to call that. They did the broad jump. They do the high jump. There's so many things they do. The same things we do at combines, right? Because you're trying to get objective measurables. You're trying to get objective times. And you can validate what you record, whereas if somebody else does it, you have to trust what they're saying is correct. So all of that is just kind of the business of camp. It's some of the most important things we do. How tall is the guy? How much does he weigh? What's his wingspan? All those things are important. And you gather that data and you plug it into your database. And when you get ready to go look for players, you say, okay, well, here's a guy that fits the measurables and metrics of what we're looking for. It's important. Now, we finish up testing, and it's time to clear the field. I mean, you got to get all this stuff off. The cones have got to come off. The bags have got to come off. The tackling dummies, because there's so much that you do when it comes to drills, positional drills, right? There's a lot of equipment involved with doing these drills. And so it's time to clear the field. The, the, the kids are gathering and are being separated into position groups. And Steve Campbell is the guy that runs our camps, and he's out there. And Brad Peterson is involved, too. We'll make sure everybody gets credit. And so the directing guys, okay, wide receivers are going to be here. DB's here. Defensive linemen is going to be with Coach Turner here. You know, quarterback's here. And uh, so you're moving everybody around. And so I look to my left, 
and they're removing these uh, big ta- tackling dummies. And the guy that's moving them is Zach Arnett, your head co- football coach. Not a GA, not a student assistant, not a regular assistant coach. The head football coach is out there moving tackling dummies off the field. And these, listen, this is not, yeah, this is not just, uh, you know, picking up a piece of trash. Yeah, it requires a little effort. Kind of helps to be in your 30s, I guess, right? But it struck me in that moment. I said, man, this reminds me a little bit of Sears, man. It reminds me of the guy that couldn't wait for something to go wrong in our furniture store. You know, couldn't wait for a pipe to burst or, you know, there'd be a mess or, you know, something like that happens because Sears would go do it. And because he did it, I knew that I needed to do it. And so more times than not, if I saw him in the middle of doing something, I'd stop what I was doing and go help. Number one, I didn't think my manager should have to do that, but I also understood if it's important enough for him to do it, it's important enough for me. And I thought about the example that Zach Arnett is setting, not just for the assistant coaches, not just for the GAs or the student workers, but for the players and the recruits. Do you think when these kids go to Alabama, Nick Saban's going to be out there moving equipment? And that's in no way a criticism of Nick Saban. But there is an expectation of head coaches to kind of not get their hands dirty. But then there's your coach, a, a very proud New Mexican, Zach Arnett, out there laying his hands on stuff, moving stuff around. And I was led to go talk to him. I was like, hey, Zach, this is why you're going to make it. And he looked at me and he kind of laughed. He goes, what? I said, this is why you're going to make it. He said, because I moved the tackling dummy? I said, yes, because you moved the tackling dummy. Yes, that's why you're going to make it. And he kind of looked, kind of put his head down. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because you're doing what matters. You're showing everybody out here that no job is beneath you. Yes, you're the guy that's the highest paid guy in the building. And if it's not too good for you, it's not too good for them. And that's one of the things that I'll share with you that uh, I shared this with John Cohen a few years back. When Dan Mullen was here, one of the things that used to aggravate me to no end is that we didn't have attention to detail. He said, but Steve, we won a lot of games. We did. Probably could have won some more had we done the little things. Little things matter. I've shared with you guys before, we used to have, and listen, if you donated these, God bless you for that, but you could have done more. We used to have these uh, press board curio cabinets in, in the SEAL building. We did. And they weren't nice. They weren't. They were just adequate. And uh, listen, people give gifts. You can't you know, look a gift horse in the mouth, right? So somebody gave these of the goodness of their heart. They weren't extravagant. They weren't really nice. And to be honest with you, I thought they looked out of place in the SEAL Center. And we had all our bowl trophies in there. And over time, I'd walk through there, and the bowl trophies were dusty. The glass was streaked. That's got nothing to do with the gift, right? That's got to do with our maintenance and our appreciation, our gratitude for this gift. But the thing that struck me is every recruit that walks in this building, that's what they're going to see. The first impression they have of Mississippi State when they walk into this old complex was a press board streaked curio cabinet with a dirty trophy in it. I expect better from Mississippi State. I expect better for myself. Matter of fact, I can't hardly stand myself when my office gets messy. But we're Mississippi State. We're a Southeastern Conference program, and that's the first impression we're giving people. Now, what's interesting 
Those curio cabinets aren't there anymore. And again, God bless whoever gave them to us. Not being critical of you, but I do wish you could have given us a little something a little bit nicer. But all that said, uh... today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let Nerd Wallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time... We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys, or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. 
You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out, or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Um, I was talking to Steve Campbell. And so as the kids get off the bus and they, you know, they get the registration, they walk out on our practice field, we heard one of these kids that said, man, we're here. I look back and there's about 30 kids with their cell phones up recording the fact that they're at Mississippi State. They're on the same practice field that Dak Prescott used, the same place that Fletcher Cox used to go out there and practice and sharpen us all a little bit. The same place for Emmanuel Forbes was just there last year, going to his practice reps. It was a big deal to these young men. We're here. Now, here sometimes for us gets to be a little bit of old hat. You know, we get to be in Starkville a lot, and those of us that get a chance to cover Mississippi State, we're on the practice fields a lot. We're in the Humphrey Coliseum a lot. We get to go to Duty Noble a lot. We get to be around these facilities a lot, and, it, and sometimes you take it for granted. But as a guy that grew up in South Mississippi, I'm very proud to be a South Mississippian. When I was a kid, anything beyond Jackson felt like a foreign country. We didn't have anything. We were as broke as the Ten Commandments. We didn't get out and go travel. It was a big deal. And there are a lot of young people in this state that still live under those circumstances. And so when they come onto our campus, it's like, oh my God, we're here. We're in Mississippi State. So yeah, I've been to the JUCO, and yeah, I've been around here. Maybe I even played a ball game in the, uh, you know, in the stadium in Jackson. Maybe I played at Veterans Memorial. Maybe I've done that because I was good enough to, you know, be on a team that had that opportunity. Maybe I've been to Southern Miss, but all of a sudden I'm here. I'm in Mississippi State. Zach Arnett shares that same sentiment. One more thing I wanted to tell you I thought was interesting. A couple things really. At the conclusion of each camp, Zach Arnett has addressed all the campers. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've covered a lot of head coaches. I have. I've been to a lot of college football camps, not just Mississippi State. When I worked for, uh, for Fox and Scout.com, I've been to LSU. I've been to UL Lafayette. I've been to UL Monroe. been to Southern Miss. I've uh, been, to, been to Ole Miss. I've been a lot of places. I've been to the FCA Combines. You know, I've been a lot of different places. I've, heard, I've seen a lot of college coaches and how they interact with kids. Zach Garnett is at camp the whole time. The whole time. I'm not going to name some names because it's not, just, not something that's just germane to Mississippi State. But uh, I've been some places that the only time the head coach is seen is when he comes out 
to say goodbye to the campers. Not reviewing players, not evaluating, not facilitating drills. They're up in their office and they're doing whatever they do when they're not on the field. And then they come down for five minutes and say goodbye to everybody and thank you guys for coming. If you want to go to a game, let us know. And I've always thought that's not good enough. That's how I've always felt. I was like, you know what? These kids are paying this money and they're coming and their dream is to play at your institution. I think the coach owes it to them to be out there to help facilitate the camp. Zach Arnett helped facilitate the camp. And he walked around this different position groups, spoke to kids, spoke to coaches. And if a guy wasn't doing a drill right, there were times that uh, Arnett would pull him aside later and say, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. That's your head coach. That's your head coach. Not your positional coach, not your coordinator, not a GA, not a current Bulldog player. That's a head coach at Mississippi State saying, hey, when you do this drill, next time, next rep, let's do it this way. And not in a mean way, but in a very constructive way. It's like, hey, listen, I want you to get the value out of this. I want you to learn something. I want you to leave here today being a better football player. That's your head coach. And that's why he's going to make it. And one thing that he said I thought was interesting, and he said this at both camp sessions so far. He goes, you know what, and the numbers may be off a little bit, so please forgive me. Don't go do your Google search and tweet at me. Steve, you're wrong. I'm just doing this from memory. I didn't write it down. But he made a comment, you know, we hey, this university, 13 consecutive bowl games. And I know for some of you, that's become old hat too, and we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, for our grandparents, it's a huge deal. You people forget in the 2000s, we went to two bowl games. We went to 2007. 2000, we're in the uh, Independence Bowl, the Snow Bowl. And in 2007, Booby D and Derek Pegues helped us beat Central Florida in Liberty Bowl. And we set an attendance record. We were so grateful to go. So don't ever let it feel like, you know, just getting to a bowl game. We, well, we got some fans that always want to minimize anything we accomplish. Whatever we do, we just got lucky. We're just a product of the system. And uh, my, my hope is that their daughters will marry more Mississippi State positive fans and, and breed that negative gene out of the fan base. All that said, I'm not happy just going Liberty Bowls and Music City Bowls. There was a time I'd been just thrilled to go anywhere. But we've been to 13 straight bowls. And uh, a couple of us, you know, with the Outback Bowl a couple times. Went to the Orange Bowl. It's not like we're constantly going to Shreveport and Memphis, right? But sometimes that's been the case. But 13 consecutive bowl games, only two teams in the Southeastern Conference, and I believe, I can't remember the exact number that he said. I think maybe he said seven schools in the country have been to 13 straight bowl games. There's only two in the Southeastern Conference, Alabama, Georgia, and us. Three, two more in us. Not LSU, not Florida. Not Tennessee, Mississippi State. And then he makes a point. Emmanuel Forbes was drafted, what, number 16 in the draft in the first round this year? Last year, Charles Cross, a top 10 pick. So back-to-back years, states had two in the top 16. Only four schools in the country can make that claim. And one of them is Mississippi State. So not only is Zach carrying our message on the day of camp is like, hey, we love you guys. Appreciate you coming out. Here's what we're going to do. But also, too, when you walk away from here, the last message you have is this, is you can come to Mississippi State and you're going to play in bowl games. And you can come to Mississippi State, and if you work hard enough and you're talented enough, you can reach your pro football dream. You give you an opportunity. 
So not only are you going to win some games, you're going to have a chance to keep playing. That's an impressive message, for, especially for a high school kid, because every high school kid thinks they're going to the NFL. They all think that. And what is it, less than 2% of college athletes actually play pro sports? So the chances of you making are pretty slim. But if you want to go and you go to a place like Mississippi State that routinely has kids drafted, then that's worth uh, looking into, right? Because we're right there with Alabama, Georgia. We're right there with those teams. And, yeah, maybe we're not competing for NFL championships. That's not to say you can't have a great experience here. My hope is that one day we are competing for NFL championships. Final thing I'll say about this, and it kind of goes back to my first point about Arnett. So camp is breaking down because, like, after Zach speaks and Brad Peterson tells everybody, hey, we're going to go in the locker room and you're going to take that wet shirt off. We're going to give you a clean shirt. We're going to give you one you can go home with. And uh, I assume we wash the other ones, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we do. My point being is there's direction. And then, okay, then before you leave, go meet with your position coach. And so everybody goes. And, of course, you know, they you know, follow coach on Twitter or whatever. And everybody breaks down. And, uh, you know, Bumpus is a huge star. A lot, of, a lot of kids want to get their picture made with Chad Bumpus. They do. Probably more so than the rest of the coaches. And I think a lot of it's because of, you know, Chad's magnetic personality. And Chad has credibility in the room. Chad has worn the uniform and played in the Southeastern Conference and, you know, went on. People forget this. Chad led the Miami Dolphins in receptions during the preseason, and they cut him anyway, right? We're a little salty about that. Uh, Chad's about to put together a really good recruiting uh, class, too. Get ready. Just get ready. <laughs> get ready. But in the middle of all this, when everybody's separated out by position, everybody's talking and, you know, hey, thanks for coming. Coach, thanks so much. I learned this. Or this is what's going on with me. And there are times that coaches will pull guys aside and say, hey, you know, we'd really love for you to come to Mississippi State. Make that big recruiting pitch. And, again, look over to my left. And there's my favorite guy from New Mexico with a trash bag picking up Gatorade cups and trash over there in between the practice fields. Your head coach taking pride in what we have. He's like, hey, this is our last camp today. Surely he could have just mentioned to his staff, or, hey, can you have someone to, somebody go pick up that stuff over there? But no, that's what needed to be done. So Zach Garnett went and did it. And then people come over there wanting to get their picture made with Zach, and he's like, hey, let me put my trash bag down. You know. And I think that's a good message, too, to send to recruits. Your head coach is out here taking pride in Mississippi State, taking pride in what we have, taking pride in our practice fields, our football facilities, and taking pride in the fact that, you know what, I am the head coach of Mississippi State University, and I am the caretaker of this program and all the facilities that go along with that. Zach's not the guy that's going to go sit up in his office like it's an ivory tower. And every time that I'm around Zach, he always has time to talk. He wants to talk. And a lot of times it's not just about, you know, football or whatever. There's no time, hey, what's going on with baseball, Steve? I mean, he keeps up with it. People forget this. Zach Arnett's college career began as a walk-on baseball player at the University of New Mexico. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, now you do. He walked on the baseball team and decided he didn't want to give up on his football dreams. As he's walking around campus and rocking around the athletic facilities of the Lobos uh, athletic complex, he sees some of these football players and he thinks, you know what, maybe I should give that a try. I'm as good as that guy. 
I'm as tough as that guy. And what does he do? He goes over there and becomes one of the most productive linebackers of Rocky Long's uh, tenure in New Mexico. Impressed Rocky so much, he took him with him as a GA. San Diego State. And so, you got a lot of guys in coaching that uh, have had maybe an easier path than Zach Arnett. I know he got there quickly, but the reason he got there quickly is because of his value system. There are a lot of people that have a sense of self-entitlement. And there are a lot of athletes that have a sense of self-entitlement. It's like, well, I'm a star, and everybody tells me how great I am, and all of a sudden you stop doing the things that made you great in the first place. But here we are, Zach Arnett, just a few months removed from signing the contract to be your head football coach, out here picking up trash. That's a guy right there that people will follow. That's a guy that people will believe in. And I think it's important that you as the fan base know these things. The message has been carried to recruits and assistants and current players. I think you need to know that too. I think it's important that you know that. That's your coach. And you say, Steve, it's not a big deal. He just moved to dummy and he picked up trash. No, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal because it speaks to a bigger issue. It speaks to the issue that Zach Arnett gets it. Zach Arnett understands that all eyes are on him. And he's not doing it because people are watching. He's doing it because it's the right thing. And as a result of that, people are watching. He's cut from a different cloth. That was the name of the thread on Gene's page if you want to go join the discussion. It's one of those things that makes me proud that we made the difficult decision. And I don't know how difficult it really was. That, hey, let's go ahead. And rather than have some elongated coaching search and let our roster get po- poached, we, we've got the guy. We've got the guy with our net. And the thing that I go back to is, and listen, we've given John Cohen a lot of credit for putting the big buyout in Zach's contract. But you know what? I think it speaks to a bigger issue that Zach Arnett's willing to sign that because Zach Arnett wants to be here. And that's another thing, too. My wife and I spoke about it this morning. And uh, after you know, we spent some time in Albuquerque, yeah, I get it. You know, you don't have to worry about Zach leaving us for his alma mater. I mean, that would be a big step down. All due respect to the people of Albuquerque and, and the University of New Mexico. But Zach Arnett, despite being a favorite son and being an, an ABQ product, he's not going to leave Mississippi State to go to New Mexico. So you got to wonder, well, who's going to come get him, you know? And the thing that I hear from him when I make these comments about, you know, move, just moving a tackle on dummy, is Zach saying, you know what, I'm just trying to show some gratitude for this university for believing in me. Let that sink in for a second. Rather than feel like, hey, I've made it, he feels a debt of gratitude to Mississippi State. You don't think that guy could win? You don't think that guy's going to give everything he's got to win? we got to get him some players. But I can tell you this, and I talked to a couple of our uh, returning defensive players, they are overjoyed. Zach Arnett is the head coach. And, of course, that Matt Brock continues on, and we're going to run the same scheme. But as one defensive back told me, offense is fixing to get a lot tougher, too. We believe in accountability. We believe in mental toughness. But there, there's a physical toughness. There is this whole we're going to go out there and blow you off line of scrimmage mentality that Zach Arnett has that I believe is going to be prevalent throughout this program. I have never felt better about Zach Arnett being our head football coach than I do right now. 
All right, top 10 list today brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is my friend, your friend. He is your friend in the mortgage industry. He is the guy that gets things done. Top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back-to-back years. Three in a row. It's a guy doing little things, right? There's so many mistakes you can make, you know, kind of building a lawn, putting a lawn package together. Uh, Blair's the kind of guy that gets it done quick. He's efficient. 22 years of experience in the industry. Works at Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable lender. And listen, I don't do business with people I don't trust. And I don't recommend people to you that I don't trust. Blair's the guy that I trust. And if you're going to put something as important as your mortgage in the hands of a third party, it needs to be somebody that's trustworthy. It needs to be somebody that's not trying to fleece you for as many fees as they can get, trying to jack up a lot of points on your loans so they can be compensated for that. You need somebody that's going to be ethical. You need somebody that's going to be efficient. And somebody that's going to be professional. That's exactly what you have with Blair Chandler. Visit him at closeatblair.com or and give him a call or text on his personal cell number. He loves me and you enough to say, you know what? Let me just give you the seven digits so you can call me directly. That's 601-500-2344. I guess I'm dating myself when I say seven digits. Uh, 601-500-2344. Hit Blair up today. Let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. We have some Boneyard listeners that are overjoyed uh, that have had some issues in the past. You know, maybe they've had issues getting turned down. They've had issues not getting the loan they want. And Blair's been able to get it taken care of for them. So if you're looking to consolidate some debt or buy a home, and summertime is a great time to do that, reach out to Blair, the proud sponsor of the top 10 list here on our Boneyard. All right. I had a lot of requests about graduation week. Steve, can we get a graduation week week top 10? We did that last year. And, of course, Alice Cooper school's out. That's going to be number one, right? It should be. But there's only so many of those I can do. And so I thought, you know what? With that in mind, uh, I was working at WCJU radio station. That's right, WCJU, right? Uh, well, I was I ended up being a program director down there. And uh, so I have, like, a tape around here with the top ten songs graduation week. And I thought, you know, one day when we go to reunion, we'll be glad we have this. And, of course, the Internet came to be, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, those lists are available everywhere. But I have an audio tape of the top ten songs of graduation week. We did Shadow Stevens. I think we did Shadow on Sunday. We did uh, maybe Casey Kasem on Saturday and then Shadow Stevens on Sunday. We did the American Top 40. Uh, but I changed it up a little bit because there were some songs in there that, you know, a couple. It was a cover that made the list and there was another. So I put together my top tens from my graduation week in 1990. Yes, I am from the 1900s. 1990 was my graduation year, Columbia High School. I am proud to be a Wildcat. We have won a state championship in baseball and in football here in the last 10 years. I'm very proud that I was in attendance for both. Because while I'm a Bulldog at heart, I was a Wildcat uh, through my formative years. And uh, I still keep up with the Columbia High School Wildcats. And I was on the very first soccer team at Columbia High School. I was, uh, I'm, I'm confident the first player recruited to play on the collegiate level from uh, Columbia High School and uh, went to Jones to play and then things fell apart, as we've well documented before. Uh, but yeah, I got, had, had a handful of schools to write me letters and um, offered me a couple of small scholarships and things of that nature, but I uh, went to Jones to play and uh, went, lasted a semester. They decided not to have a team, so I decided to go in search of another one. 
It didn't work out. But all that said, and I don't want to chase that rabbit trail, our top 10 from my graduation week, and we just, you talk about some iconic artists and iconic songs. Here we go. All right, number 10. This was actually number 12, if I remember correctly. It was a, a cover, and then it was like these one of these one-hit wonders that probably that I didn't really like. I didn't even remember the song, and so I had to play it. And I was like, I'm not putting it on my list. So I went to number 12, and this was kind of a novelty act, but one of the stage dancers for this group went on to become one of the most legendary rappers of all time. It's a digital underground with a Humpty dance, number 10. And uh, if you've seen the Tupac movie, you know Tupac was a stage dancer for digital underground. And as a matter of fact, that's how Tupac's career began. He began to make friends and contacts in the record industry through his time with digital underground. And next thing you know, Tupac became a legend, an icon. But the Humpty dance, his humble beginnings, Digital Underground, number 10. Because they once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, and it used to annoy me, too. They used to bleep that out, and I thought it was profanity. It wasn't. It was Burger King. Maybe you consider that profanity. Maybe you're a McDonald's person. That's what he said. He said, I'm a freak. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. I can't say that I've done that. Maybe I should. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. I kind of like the, the comfortable confines of my own home. Number nine. I believe many people voted for this to be our... Uh, our senior song, we actually ended up going with Forever Young from Rod Stewart. We won, but this was number two. But it's MC Hammer's, you can't touch this because you couldn't touch us. We're the best class to ever walk the hallways of Columbia High School. Amazing, great class. It all kind of fell apart after we left. You know, the 91 and 92, those classes kind of let us down. They didn't continue to tradition. And I'd like to thank the 1989 class for ruining the tradition of the last run. We used to have this tradition at Columbia High School. The seniors would do the senior run. And they'd line up in the annex, and everybody would just run down the hallways, and then you would run into the other buildings, and the next thing, you know, everybody ran. And you'd go out on the front, the front lawn, everybody celebrates. But those, uh, those dirty, rotten scoundrels in the class of 89, they had water balloons and everything else, and they opened up doors, and they caused a bunch of ruckus, and they ruined it. We were the first class to not get to have a senior run. So thank you, thank you, thank you, you scallywags from the class of 89. Uh, Coach Haas, a Mississippi State alum, was one of my computer science teachers. He listens to this show religiously. He will, he will remember that. He probably will have his memory sparked from that. But it was an absolute debacle, and I'm still salty about it. And one day, I'm going to go up there and have my own run. I'm owed that. Number eight, this was a band that just kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, a lot of duets. It was rock radio, but I think this is probably their best song. And uh, it's actually a band that your, your, uh, your friend Brian Haydad loves. He loves this band. It's Roxette, and it must have been love. But it's over now. It's a very, very sad love song. And I, I'm a sucker for sad love songs. And that's a great one right there. Roxette. Uh, you remember The Look? The Look is when they hit the ground running with The Look. She's got The Look. Yeah. And she does. Number seven, a one-hit wonder. And I've got a little bit of a history with this one. And I'm going to talk about this. It's, it may offend some people. And that's okay. In this age of being offended, I am offended by your sensibilities, to be quite honest with you, that you're also dadgum sensitive. Uh, Lanier was our band at number seven. 
And uh, they were kind of a Latin dance group. There wasn't a lot of Latin influence, but they themselves, if I remember correctly, they were from, uh, they were kind of based out of the Houston dance scene. I'm, they may have reported something different. They may have claimed to be from Miami, but I think they got their start in Houston. And here is the thing, okay? So, you know, your good friend and host used to run the South Mississippi dance scene. It's true. I can still go. I can still do it. May need some uh, ibuprofen once we're done, but I can still go. Can't do the things I did when I was 20, but I, 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 I can still do it. All that said is, uh, so when we used to play in Baton Rouge, so what would happen is a lot of bands from the Baton Rouge scene, of course, we had, we had some good ones. You know, Kuiper uh, with Tic-Tac-Toe, Kuiper and MC Flash. Uh, Pastel was from Lafayette. And, of course, we had a thriving uh, dance scene from you know Baton Rouge, Lafayette, New Orleans, a Purple Parrot over in um, – or Purple Peacock. I get confused sometimes with Robert St. John's Restaurant, but uh, over in Eunice, Louisiana, one of the best dance clubs in, in the world, in this little shack. It was amazing. Uh, but also, you know, you'd rotate. You had great great bands from Houston. And uh, Lisette Melendez, people like that. The female artists from Houston were really, really strong. And it was, of course, a lot of Latin influence being from Houston. And so those ladies could dance. Lisette Melendez actually opened a show for us. Uh, in Baton Rouge, and uh, Robbie Neville was on the bill. C'est la vie, that's right. But they tried really hard to kind of push um, on the male side of things, and most of those guys just couldn't dance. I mean, they could dance like the average person, but not like the girls at all, at all. I mean, the Latin population from Houston, Texas, in the early 90s, if you went in there and went on the dance floor and you were disrespectful, you were going to get served, to borrow a phrase, because those ladies could absolutely go. Absolutely. The guys, not so much. And so Lanier is kind of in that vein. The song was kind of cool, but it's a repetitive chorus. Again, they're a one-hit wonder. It's a song called Sending All My Love. It was one of these synth-pop songs. had a really unique voice. And so people liked it for that reason. The vocals are, are trash, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but it's, you know, I'm sending all my love to you. But that, it was kind of indicative of the time. So it, the song doesn't hold up today. But when you go back and watch this video, you'll see the guys in you know, the leather jackets and they got their bandanas on and kind of got long hair. And they're just very, 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 very mediocre dancers. And I submit to you, if you put me on a dance floor with those guys, even now, even now, I would win. All right, number six, we had the, this great band, New Edition, in the uh, middle school, I guess the, the preschool, no, it's not right, the elementary school and middle school years of my life, New Edition. Amazing. You know, Bobby Brown was from that group, Johnny Gill, so many great people, Ralph Tresvant. And so after that, after New Edition, and Bobby Brown went solo, Everybody else put out solo albums. Ralph Tresvant's uh, Sensitivity, amazing. I love that whole album uh, from start to finish. Uh, this rhythm is rated R. If you know, you know. Johnny Gill, rub you the right way. Johnny had that rasp in his voice, but uh, Johnny, amazing. My, 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 for sure. And then it was Belle Biv DeVoe. Michael Bivens was a genius. Found great acts, of course, another bad creation. But Belle Biv DeVoe, of course... It's uh, Ricky Bell, um, Michael Bivens, and then Ronnie DeVoe. And they hit the scene with the great track Poison. It was amazing. And it was in every dance club. The fashion was incredible. 
And, of course, some of the truest words ever spoken in American music. Never trust a big butt and a smile because that girl is poison. It's true. Put it on a T-shirt, put it on a bumper sticker, tattoo it on your chest. And for some of you young bucks out there, I'll tell you, you need to understand that. You need to live it, love it, and understand it. But BBD was great. Love those guys. Poison. And then they followed up with Do Me. Remember that one? Yeah, that was long and repetitive, but it was a good one. Number five, one of the icons of my generation is Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson had so many incredible people behind her. Teddy Riley, of course. Uh, so many people involved that had great tracks for her, great songwriting. And this is a song that maybe holds up today that you don't hear much on the radio, but it's All Right from Janet Jackson. That's your number five song. Number four, one of these super groups that kind of emerged the kids from the Mamas and the Papas. It's Wilson Phillips, and they were huge. And China Phillips, at the time, one of the most beautiful and attractive women in the world, and she could absolutely sing, absolutely sing, absolutely incredible. And uh, the great song was Hold On. And uh, basically, it's one of these things kind of about depression, kind of about when you get negativity in your life, just hold on for one more day. Things will be better tomorrow. And things can change. And, you know, for people in recovery, that, that's a great one. But it's not just people in recovery. All of us go through something. And there are always these songs out there that provide some sense of encouragement. And I submit to you there were probably a lot more of them uh, back in those days because these days everybody wants to prove how bad they are and how tough they are. And there's not a lot of encouraging music in the world. But uh, Wilson Phillips, kind of an adult contemporary group, but uh, extremely talented ladies for sure. Number three, I hated this song. Hated it. Until Chris Cornell covered it. It's true, I hated it. I never liked Sinead O'Connor. Many of you did. And she's singing a Prince song. There's nothing to say that she's not talented. She's just a really, very weird individual. She is. There's just something not quite right with Sinead O'Connor. I'm not judging. I'm just making an observation. But this song was everywhere. It went to number one and stayed there. And we kind of had a feeling there had to be a connection to Prince because of the, the number two. Nothing compares to you because that's how Prince did things, Right. And it's not like in today's age where you can, you know, news travels so fast. So like more times than not, we heard word of mouth from other people. We heard about it on MTV. And nowadays, if that song came out there, somebody would say, hey, there's the number two. Is this connected to Prince and Paisley Park? And then somebody would answer you on Twitter. Well, yes, it is. It's not like it was back then. Back in those days, we depended on each other for news. And I submit to you, it's probably more reliable. But nothing compares to you. Number three, a, a great song. And uh, Prince's version of it's really good, too. This song that's at number two was at number one my graduation week, but I just can't bring myself to do it because number one's got to have some guitar. It's an iconic song from an iconic performer. Things are really beginning to change as she began to grow up a little bit and um, became a bit of a fashion diva as well. But it's Vogue from Madonna. And it seemed like everybody in the world, even in like checkout lines or whatever, people were voguing as a joke to each other. But this song was incredible. The video, incredible. And this, to me, I submit to you, these are the Madonna years, in my estimation, that are the peak years. In the late 80s, early 90s, a lot of people go back to Pop It On Preach and you know, Borderline and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think peak Madonna is when she kind of got over the teen angsty stuff and got into uh, things that were a little more global. So there you go, Madonna's Vogue at number two. But it was number one. I will give her credit. It was number one, but I just can't go that way. Number one, 
a song that caused a lot of controversy. People loved it initially until they dug a little bit deeper into the lyrical content. But it's from the great American rock band, Heart. Anna and Nancy Wilson, and uh, I think everybody had a crush on Anna and Nancy Wilson, especially Nancy. She was the golden girl. We loved her because she was beautiful and she could play a mean guitar. So we felt like we could relate to her and have a cup of coffee and take her out on a date or something. We had no chance. But my point being is at heart, not only were they beautiful women, they were absolutely and still incredibly talented. You know, that's the thing about the 80s. There were times there would be this... Um, this pop culture where you'd find some cute girl and you put a bunch of songwriters behind them. And there were guys too, don't get me wrong. And you just kind of trot them out there because they had a good image. Hart didn't need a good image because Hart had the music. They just happened to have the great image that kind of came with it. They didn't need a lot of polishing. But the song is all I want to do is make love to you. And uh, the story behind the song is really kind of alarming. Uh, nowadays, people would be like, oh, do what you got to do, you know. Uh, no, you know, back then, there were a lot of people that were upset about the song because basically what happens is uh, a woman is married to a guy that um, can't produce kids. And so she goes and has an affair and gets pregnant and then never tells her husband, you know. And like she told her, to, all I want to do is make love to you. I don't want a relationship with you, whatever. But that's what the song is about. A lot of controversy. The song is... It, musically is great i can't say i agree with the message in and of itself but it is an incredible song not that uh, we would ever want to promote that sort of thing but the reality of it is is it was very provocative and uh caused a bit of a stir and anytime that uh we have a top 10 list and we have the option to put somebody with long hair and guitars at number one we're going to do that so there you go that's your top 10 list for the day top 10 songs from my graduation week and maybe you're graduate. Maybe it's worth for you going back and do a little research and remembering, kind of going back. I remember the song and where I was, and I remember the video on MTV. It was great. MTV used to be a real thing. Now it's 24 hours of ridiculousness and hair care commercials. Uh, but all that being said, thanks so much for your support of Top 10 List. If you have an idea, reach out, let us know. Best way to do that is on social media. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Roy, the keeper of the list who's on vacation this week, um, at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can find us on Spotify under that same handle. I would submit that you probably should subscribe, and that way those lists just kind of pop up. And uh, when you're looking for something to listen to and taking a trip down memory lane, and I suspect many people in my age demographic will do that with today's list, uh, I think you can be glad you did. Because most of these songs, too, are still played on the radio today. It may be on the older channels, but my point being is like they haven't been lost in the sands of time. But reach out, let us know if you have an idea. We'll be happy to do that. Uh, or we may take your idea and kind of turn it into something else that, that we think might be a little bit cooler. But we do appreciate your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by CampusBookMart.net, a Starkvillian institution. I encourage you to go by and see their smiling faces the next time you're in town. Not to mention, you can peruse their fine selections of Mississippi State merchandise. More selection there than anywhere else in the known universe. A lot of people make that claim. They back it up. They've completely renovated the bully shop. Everything is upstairs. Now they'll save you a few steps. You can go in there and find exactly what you need for the Bulldog fan in your life and for yourself. Football season will be here before we know it. It's time to start thinking about that game day gear. 
You can find everything you need at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little camp, shall we? And I'll update you on some things we're hearing with recruiting. I tell you, the guy that really impressed me Saturday, and it wasn't close, John Austin Wood from Itawamba High School. He is currently committed to TCU baseball, parents Bulldog alums, dad very involved with the Tupelo MSU Alumni Association. Uh, Every time I go to a function up there, I see his dad, J.D. And I'm not sure... If he has interest in playing college football, I don't know. But I know that he's capable. I can tell you that. And people say, well, why is he committed to TCU baseball? Well, State didn't offer him. He came to camp, worked out. They elected to offer somebody else. It happens. TCU, a great program, though. No doubt about it. But this kid could spend a football, man. One of the things you look for with young quarterbacks is can they throw the 10 and 15 yard out? That's a long throw especially when you're throwing from the far hash. And you got to, you know, ram it in there just short of the boundary. You got to have some pace on it. It's got to be an accurate throw. He made that throw over and over and over again. To me, that is the decisive throw in quarterback evaluations because it shows accuracy. It shows arm strength. And more times than not, it shows the ability to spin the football. And there are a lot of guys out there that can throw the football far. But when John Austin throws it, it whistles. You can hear it. It's incredible. I'm not sure what he does, but I can tell you this, that uh, he will get a chance this year to show people who he is and what he's about. And I think the guy's capable of playing Division I football as quarterback. I can. Big, strong kid, big arm. I made the comment on Gene's page, I don't know that I've seen a lot of junior quarterbacks come in and spin it with the accuracy and authority that he does. And, again, just something to watch. You know, not not to say that he ends up with a Mississippi State offer, but this is a guy that was very impressive. Really liked him a lot. A couple other quarterbacks there that kind of stood out. Um, One, namely, that uh, Mississippi State has been on uh, out of Ramsey High School over in Alabama. Maybe you're somewhat familiar with with that school. But, um, you know, probably – a quarterback that may be on our radar came to camp last year, back again this year. And he's clearly, number one, let the hair grow, but also, too, has improved as a quarterback. And uh, who are we talking about? Cameron Keenan from Ramsey High School. Already got a handful of options already, and he, again, is a legitimate Division One quarterback. Uh, his offer so far – Alabama State, Appalachian State, Colorado, and Marshall. That App State jumps out to me because, you know, Kevin Barbag, your new offensive coordinator, was at App State. So likely some evaluation that's already been done by Kevin Barbag. I didn't like Cameron as much as John Austin, but I do think that he's certainly capable. Of course, Cameron's got a much bigger body of work to evaluate. Uh, as a high school quarterback. But uh, that's a guy worth looking at if you hadn't done done so already. Cameron Keenan, uh, good player. We uh, also had uh, Jason Ridgel there 
got several offers. Kind of got to figure out what he is. He's got Florida State and a handful of G5s. Going to take an official to Florida State. Not sure if he's a take for them, but you think if they're bringing him in for an official visit, they probably like him. You would. You only get 53 of those. The kids can take as many as they want, but you only got 53 to work with. That's interesting, right? Uh, but yeah, he's a guy. Could be a wide receiver. Could be a running back. Could be a linebacker. I don't know. Big physical kid for sure. State hadn't offered yet, but they may. Also had a couple of guys working out there, 2023 prospects, a handful of those guys who worked out. The guy that jumped out to me is Rayfield Lawton of Brother Martin High School down in New Orleans. State needs tight ends. He is a tight end. And he's going to be a student here. So, hey, we'll take him as a walk-on. But you look at him and you begin to wonder, you know, why didn't he have more opportunities? And, you know, maybe he's a guy that simply believes in himself. It's like, you know what, I'm going to go give this thing a shot. If it doesn't work out, I can always go to JUCO. There's always a possibility. All right, let's look at uh, some of the in-state stuff. Let me give you an in-state primer right now, kind of where things are, how I think things are going to go based on what we've seen. Uh, Conan Daniels running back out of West Point. State's made him a priority. Uh, He did come to Big Dog Camp late to meet with staff. He did not uh, work out. Showed up wearing Florida Gators gear. That's never a great sign. Uh, also had uh, some people with him. But that's one that State remains uh, in pursuit of. Xavier Gaten from Brookhaven High School, he had an early offer, and uh, that was the previous staff. That offer has now been reaffirmed by the current staff. I'm just not sure what he is. Is he a running back? Is he a safety? Is he a wide receiver? I don't know. He's an athlete. He's one of those guys who just kind of figured his thing out. And uh, State's obviously done a good job with him. Very productive player at BHS. Probably get out there and check him out at some point this year, but uh, good-looking kid for sure. J.J. Harrell, wide receiver out of North Panola. I've recently put in a flip pick to Mississippi State. I think in the end he's going to stay in state. And being that close to Oxford, you know that Ole Miss is going to be on him as well. But, you know, based on what I'm hearing, uh, I like where state is positioned with him, and I think ultimately state is going to flip him. I don't think he goes to Tennessee. I think it boils down to a state and Ole Miss battle. And in the end, uh, I think it's going to boil down to uh, who recruits him the hardest, who has the best need for him. And this is where I kind of favor Chad Bumpus. I think Chad has the ability to go get him. Now, the thing that I've learned about guys that come and coach at Mississippi State for the first time, they got to get their heart broke at some point. You know, some of these guys, and this is not a reflection of J.J. Harrell, so don't get me wrong, there are a lot of players out there that may look in the face and say, Coach, I'm not going to Ole Miss and then be there the next day for a camp or whatever. That's important to understand. So there's always some ebb and flow with in-state recruiting. and things get hairy late, you know, Ole Miss does a lot of their best recruiting during the dead period. But all that being said, I think J.J. Harrell ultimately stays in-state. And as of today, I expect him to be a Bulldog. A guy we touched on a little bit on a Friday show, San Fresco McGee, he is absolutely a tag for the staff and uh, he was a guy early on. I wasn't sure how big he was until I saw him in person, field level, and watched how well he ran routes and how he elevated and how he takes ownership of the football. Really excited about him. He is a guy that plans to make his decision much later in the process. He's going to go out and go to some camps, uh, go see what, what it's all about, and then make an informed decision. I like where things sit with he and Mississippi State. 
I put in my crystal ball pick for him. Jeremy Scott, a wide receiver from Callaway High School, camped at Mississippi State last year, came to Big Dog Camp, didn't work out, spent some time hanging out with staff, currently committed to Ole Miss. I believe this is a situation if State really wanted to go press him, State could get him. That's what I think. I just don't know at this point if State's going to go all in. We'll see. Probably have to get him back for the, uh, the big cookout event, spend some more time with him. That's still kind of a fluid situation, but he's a guy that committed very early on. That's the thing about a lot of these in-state early commitments, too. Unless they have a tie to the university, the process still continues, and that's really the case for J.J. Harrell and Jeremy Scott. They're both actively uh, conversing with other schools despite their commitments. Uh, T.J. Lockhart, Mississippi State commitment from Winona. He was on campus. It's a, it's a massive human being. He's like 6'6", 365 pounds. I'm not sure if he couldn't play three-tack, to be honest with you. This is a big guy. I just worry a little bit about pad level, playing on that side of the football. Uh, but a massive human being and uh, a guy that we certainly expect to stick with Mississippi State. Uh, Stonka Burnside was on campus Thursday like where things are with him, but he is a guy, too, that, again, as I cautioned on Friday's show, that's going to be a long process. Even if he decides to commit, even if he committed to Mississippi State in the summer months, you're going to have to continue to work hard. That guy is an impressive player. He was on campus last year for camp, came to some games this year, back at camp, and expected to be back next month. Daniel Hill of Meridian recently announced a list of favorites. State makes a cut. Ole Miss does not. This is the son of Demetrius Hill, former Bulldog player. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I think he's probably going out of state, even though state made the cut there. I think it's one of those deals, too, where he probably needs to go camp at some of those schools to kind of validate their evaluation of him. I think because of the fact you're not exactly sure position-wise where he fits. Is he a running back? Is he a linebacker? I don't know. I think you got to get him in camp and figure it out. I would take him. I like him as a player. He's going to play quarterback this year. Uh, but he is a guy that is a winning football player, and winning football players typically continue to win regardless of their level. Norrell White out of St. Martin, he was on campus Friday. Uh, did not camp Thursday night, but came and spent the night, spent the day Friday touring facilities, talking to staff. Currently committed to Arkansas. That's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this, again, a guy that committed very, very early but it's still going through the process. And uh, Ole Miss, there was a time that we thought he was going to go to Ole Miss. Early decision favored Ole Miss. He ends up going to Arkansas. Uh, but that's another one that probably will be hotly contested down the stretch. P.J. Woodland is a guy, to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised P.J. hadn't committed yet. He was part of our, our camp contingent on Thursday. Had a really, really good camp. Uh, really impressed with him. He's listed at six foot. Uh, and got probably a radius that exceeds that. You know, a lot of guys, you know, by and large, their height and their radius are about the same, their catch radius. His, I think, is a little bit elongated. Uh, a guy that probably needs to put on a little bit of weight, but uh, he has some dog in him. He's not scared to compete. There's Michael Johnson, too, at South Panola. You know, there's a group right there in Panola County between J.J. Harrell, Michael Johnson, and, of course, Pope, that uh, if you could get all three, I think you take them. Michael Johnson's a big physical guy that, uh, that can really run for a guy his size. So we'll see how things go there. I don't know that State's been really hot on him just yet, uh, but he certainly could be. William Eccles out of Houston. Every time I talk about him, it seems like things change a little bit. You know, Ole Miss, State had the lead for a while. Ole Miss offered, kind of slowed things down. 
they had to lead for a bit, then State came back, and then Ole Miss did. Um, yeah, this is one of those that's kind of back and forth, and you would say, why are we having to fight so hard for a kid in Houston, Mississippi? Well, you know, NIL is a game changer in many respects. But uh, William is a guy, too, that, uh, you know, a very talented player. We need to get him. I don't know that he couldn't play. The, I think he's probably more in line to play a three-tack than, uh, than maybe Lockhart is. But I think William's a guy that can play either side of the football. Uh, really like his game. Big, strong, physical guy with good hands. Uh, Julius Pope, we touched on him earlier. Currently committed to Arkansas, but he did spend some time on a Mississippi State campus. Another committed player that uh, you should be mindful of is Tristan Jernigan out of Tupelo. You know, you can't ever count Bumpus out on a kid from Tupelo High School. Uh, currently committed to A&M, but this is one of those two. You just kind of go figure this thing out. You know, is he, a, is he a Willie guy? Is he a Mike guy? I think he probably slides inside. I think he's going to bulk up a little bit once he gets in the college weight room. Uh, but this is a guy, too. I think it's easy to be committed to Texas A&M at this point in June as we get closer to December. Uh, I think Chad Bumpus and Matt Brock will make this thing awfully interesting. Fred Clark out of Winona, you know, recently decommitted from Ole Miss. It was a surprise when he committed to Ole Miss in many respects. And then afterwards, everybody's like, oh, he's got some Ole Miss family. And then we begin to do some due diligence and find out that uh, his closest family are all Bulldogs. And I think ultimately Fred's going to be a Bulldog. I think it could, a decision could come as early as this week. Could be a little bit longer, but who knows? I think he knows what he wants to do. I just think he has to be sure about it. You know, take some time to figure this thing out. Uh, but, again, a guy that was committed to Ole Miss that is no longer. And so we'll see how things progress. But, uh, you know, Lockhart coming here. And, and goodness, went on. It's just, what, 45 minutes down the road. Uh, Tyler Carter out of Vicksburg. We'll talk about him in tonight's Bones, too. But Tyler Carter is a guy that is kind of rising up the uh, – the wish list a little bit out of Vicksburg High School. You know, State has uh, done a pretty good job in Warren County in the last few years. But Tyler Carter is a guy, 6'6", 240. That's what he's listed. There's not a lot of buzz out there about him, but there probably should be. Uh, to be honest with you, if I, if I was picking teams today, I might take Tyler Carter over Alex Foster. And I like Alex Foster a lot, but I think Tyler Carter is a guy that kind of is that long and rangy edge rusher you're looking for. I like him a lot. I really do. And I think that he is a guy that maybe people have undervalued as a recruit to this point. Uh, Kamari Gon Franklin recently released a top five. Mississippi State didn't make the list. I think that boils down to Ole Miss and Miami when it's all said and done. Uh, if he goes out of state, it'll be Miami. And uh, he's a guy, too, that's kind of prioritizing NIL opportunities and things like that. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how things go. I don't expect to see State – continue their pursuit of him. They'll stay in contact with him, but they, they will allocate those resources more towards somebody else. So don't look for Kamari on Franklin to be a Bulldog. I like his game a lot. I really do. At one time, he was a top-rated player uh, in, in the state and one of the best in the country. I guess he still is number one for us at 247 Sports within the state. I don't know that I agree with that, but he's certainly a top-five player. Absolutely relentless in the pass rush. Got to get a little bit, a little bit better against the run. But, uh, again, won't be a Bulldog. Cameron Beavers, probably the biggest surprise to me of this class is that he committed to Ole Miss out of Bay Springs. This is not over. This guy's a true, natural three technique. I think, in the end, State's going to make Ole Miss work exceptionally hard to keep him. Of course, there's some people down there that are working hard to get him to Ole Miss. And uh, Ty Jones is a guy that we really like a lot. He and Ty are close. So, uh, he has the opportunity to come up and spend some time with Ty on campus and get to know your players a little bit. That one's not over by any stretch, and I'm told that he will take official visits to both State and Ole Miss. 
before the process ends. You know, Terrence Sibler, of course, uh, biggest commitment to date in this class from Mississippi State. That's a good building block for us. And a guy that we prioritized early, it's always good when you get the guy that's on top of your board, and uh, he certainly was. Caleb Moore from Oak Grove, that's another guy too. Probably will be an inside guy. He's currently at 6'3", 250. Could probably uh, carry 290 without really hurting his athleticism. That's another guy too to really watch. Alex Foster, he was good in camp. He wasn't great. He was good. He was good. He's really raw. I would take him. I wouldn't even look back. I'd feel really good about him. Uh, but I think that he is a guy, too, that uh, will continue to add some offers. I do think State would take him right now. He'd pick up the phone to call. Then there's Aaron Travis of Grenada. A lot of people early on thought Ole Miss had the juice with him, but he has uh, spent some time on the Mississippi State campus. Uh, I, I got it as a push right now. I don't know how hard Ole Miss is actually pushing him to commit. I think they were early on, but I think they're kind of kind of taking their time with him right now. But 6'6", 250, and they're long, lean, athletic defensive linemen. Uh, State and Ole Miss both are going to sign some big-time D linemen in State this year. And both schools will probably declare victory. But the reality of it is, is we're producing some really good defensive linemen. And what a great year to have David Turner back. You know, a guy with his his resume and uh, the fact that he's put so many players in the National Football League. So you're going to see State and Ole Miss likely split many of these guys and then probably feel good about it. You know, there's enough to go around for sure. I don't know that anybody, no matter how this thing shakes loose, I don't know how anybody can say, hey, we signed the best D-line class because I think both both teams will sign a really good in-state uh, defensive line class. One of my favorite kids, new kids in the class, Damian Miller, out of Port Gibson. We talked about him on Friday. Uh, he camped at Southern Miss on Saturday and went ahead and committed. And uh, not that State couldn't take him, but I'm happy for the young man. And uh, if you guys are in that neck of the woods and you ever get a chance to be around him, I think you'll be you know, excited to know that he is a, a very talented player and a very, very, very polished young man. So you wish him uh, the absolute best. But uh, that's what the camps are for. And that's what happens. You get out and you move around, show people what you can do, get evaluated, start picking up offers. And I think the thing with State is, is, we're on some – is he a linebacker? We're on so many linebackers. I mean, you're on Fat Clark. You're on Tristan. You know, how many do you want to take? Okay, was he a safety? Okay, was he as good as the other safety prospects we have? Is he a receiver? I don't know. But I think that's what you figure out. I think you've got to try to get him back to campus and figure it out. But the good thing is the kid has somewhere to go closer to home, uh, a quality program. Coach Will Hall and those guys will do a great job with him. And uh, so even if he – doesn't get the Mississippi State offer. He has a good college home, and uh, that's one of the things we want for our in-state kids, for them to have the opportunity to play closer to home, get their college education, and uh, make their college football dreams come true. But I like Damian Miller. He, In my estimation, I think he is an SEC player. And if you're Will Hall and Reed Stringer and those guys, and you can get him and not have to uh, lose him to State or Ole Miss, I think you've really upgraded your talent level of safety. Just my estimation. That's my opinion. But, uh, again, the more we continue to dig into this class and see guys in person, the more we realize how much talent there is. There are a lot of really good players that are Southeastern Conference worthy that are uh, in, the, in the state this year. So that's kind of how I see it today. Uh, may see it differently next week. But, again, I caution everybody. There's a lot of Bulldog fans, and at times including myself, to get wrapped up in the emotional exuberance of a big recruiting weekend and you think, oh, we're fixing to run away and leave Ole Miss in our dust, and that's just not the case. I think in the end, uh, State and Ole Miss both will meet many of their needs in State this year and both feel really good about their classes. But as good as you feel today, we're going to lose somebody that you really like 
to Ole Miss and vice versa. That's just how it is. It's going to be one of those good old-fashioned, good old-fashioned in-state slobber knockers much of this recruiting cycle. So go ahead and get ready for that. Uh, be prepared for it. So if you're not a, a member of jeanspage.com, that's probably the best thing you can do today for yourself to make sure you are staying up to date with the latest developments in Mississippi State recruiting. Is uh, I expect a very, very busy and eventful summer when it comes to Mississippi high school recruiting. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. Our good buddy Brooks Bryan, part of a wonderful group of developers, bringing this incredible residential development to Starkville. If you're considering moving to the Golden Triangle, look no further than Portico. Turn off of 82 on a 12 like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go to the four-way stop. Boom, there it is. Portico, right there on your right. 1.1 miles away from all things Bulldog. What could be better than that? Neatly tucked away in a neighborhood, but close enough for convenience. That's amazing. You never thought you'd be that close to campus again unless you enrolled in classes. You don't have to. You can just live up here among us Stark villains and live the good life. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. You need a custom build, they can accommodate you. Phase one is completely sold out. Phase two, getting close to that itself. Still some homes available. Brooks can give you more information on that. And if you're not in any hurry, maybe you want to build your dream home out there at Portico. You can pick out a lot, have a say in your residential housing plans, and they can build it for you exactly the way you want. It doesn't have to be this cookie-cutter community. It's a great place to live. And, uh, again, what would be better, Grandma, than having all the kids and all the grandkids under one roof the Friday night before a big Saturday ball game at Mississippi State? Make Portico your next move. All right, the NCAA College Baseball Tournament will resume today. By the time you listen to this show, the games will have already started. Many of them are underway now. But uh, an eventful weekend it was. Wake Forest, they win their regional without any trepidation at all. Blowout city up in Winston-Salem. Wake Forest, the number one seed, survives the regional without any issue at all. And then our friends over in Tuscaloosa. At Alabama, they win a regional. And now you begin to ask yourself, man, is Jason going to end up getting that job? You know, he was hired as the interim when they, they fired Bohannon. All of a sudden, Alabama begins to play up to their potential. It's a very experienced team. A lot of people expected them to be a, a potential regional host this year. They end up hosting, get hot down the stretch, and they just roll right through this thing. And they nearly lost game one to Troy. You know, ground ball to short. All you got to do is make a throw, and they don't, and two runs come around and score, and Alabama wins. Alabama survives, and, of course, then uh, you know, Troy beats Nichols, and there's Boston College. But uh, Alabama wins. So Wake Forest and Alabama this weekend at Wake Forest in a Super Regional. So Alabama, top 20 finish this year. Our University of Texas goes down to Coral Gables. So they win the regional. They take care of Miami. Miami was the three seed in the tournament. Is it just me, or is Miami overseeded every year? Is it maybe it is just me? But I, I think it's ridiculous, man. I, I really do. I think it's ridiculous. I know everybody talks about, well, Steve. I mean, I mean, come on. SEC gets all these host sites, and we didn't have a great weekend. But Miami is living on the reputation of Ron Frazier. They have not done much or accomplished much in the last several years in college baseball. But uh, and they get. I mean, honestly, let's look at. It. I mean, they get Maine and UL Lafayette. And then Texas, you only got one team. And remember last year, Ole Miss went in there and won that regional too. So back-to-back years, 
Miami hosts and has a big expectation, and they're going to get out of the regionals. Texas will play the winner of Stanford and A&M. Stanford went through the loser's bracket. They smashed A&M last night. Uh, Cal State, Fullerton, and San Jose State both have been eliminated from the field. So Stanford and A&M will play the regional final winner-take-all game today. Could you imagine Texas and Texas A&M? Like if A&M finds a way to, to take care of Stanford down at the sunken diamond and it'd be Texas and Texas A&M? I don't even know who would host. You know, the committee would have to decide. Of course, if Stanford wins and Stanford hosts the Super Regional uh, with Texas this weekend. LSU and Oregon State, it was a very entertaining game last night. A lot of home runs, not a lot of runs. And um, had the rain delay, obviously, that uh, caused Ty Floyd to leave. He could probably come back if needed. But uh, LSU undefeated. Oregon State comes back and beats Sam Houston last night to advance today. Now, the Beavers have to beat LSU twice in order to advance. And with the LSU bullpen, you begin to think, if Oregon State can find a way to win game one, you feel really good about them winning game two. And that's a program, a Beaver program, obviously, that uh, has a lot of pride and tradition. But it's so tough to go in on a Baton Rouge and win. It really is. But that'll be an interesting. That's one I'll be watching uh, closely. Uh, Kentucky and Indiana. Uh, Kentucky wins yesterday. A lot of hit-by-pitches in the game. Crowd in the plate. Indiana having some control issues. Indiana was the winner's bracket. They won the first two games. Kentucky has to battle back. And they destroy everybody they played uh, since they hit the loser's bracket. Beat up on West Virginia, lose to Indiana in game two. And then um, you kind of, I guess they beat Ball State and beat West Virginia. But uh, so they got to, so Kentucky needs to win one today. So Kentucky and Indiana, just one game to be played. The winner advances to the Super Regional and will play the winner of LSU Oregon State. So in the event that Oregon State wins, they're likely headed to Kentucky. In the event LSU leaves, then Kentucky would head there. And then, you know, because the tournament is not seeded one through 64. Anytime that you have equal or lesser seeds, then um, you got to make a decision. But So if Indiana would win and Oregon State win, the committee would have to make a decision. But Kentucky being a one seed, if they win and Oregon State wins, you can expect Kentucky to host the Supers. And uh, Kentucky really good there in Kentucky Pride Park. All right, Tennessee, they win the Clemson Regional, and you knew when they won that first game against Clemson that uh, Clemson was in trouble, but I thought they'd make their way out of the loser's bracket. Instead, they lose to Charlotte. Tennessee just kind of sweeps on through this thing. They will play the winner of Southern Miss and Penn. Penn wins the first two games on the weekend. Southern Miss, of course, ends up in the loser's bracket after losing to Sanford. They battle back and beat Sanford and then beat Penn. That was a very competitive ball game until the ninth inning, and then Southern Miss explodes and wins the thing 11-2. to They're up 3-2, and you kept thinking, you know, Penn's just one hit away uh, from tying the game here, and then the Southern Miss offense really exploded there in the ninth. In the event that Southern Miss wins and Tennessee and Tennessee's already won, the committee will have to make a decision. But based on what I'm hearing, I suspect it'll be Southern Miss would host. Obviously, if uh, Penn wins, then Tennessee would host. Uh, but, again, the committee has to make that final decision. On the other side of the bracket, not nearly as much drama. Uh, South Carolina, no problem in there. You know, NC State, Campbell, Central Connecticut State, we talked about them earlier this year. Uh, South Carolina grows right through, no drama, not making any headlines at all in regional play, and that's kind of what you want. They're paired up with the Florida-Texas Tech 
winner take all regional final today. Florida battles back to the loser's bracket, takes down Texas Tech. The game was tight, like it's 2-1 late, and the next thing you know, Florida erupts, and uh, Florida has some pitching left. We'll see what Texas Tech does, but that'll be awfully interesting. We get down to Conway. So, Coastal Carolina and Duke. Coastal having to battle out of loser's bracket in their own, uh, if I remember correctly, in their own regional. They and Duke will play winner-take-all. Ryder and UNC Wilmington already eliminated. Ryder with a big win early in this weekend. But the winner of that will take on Virginia. Virginia, one of the more difficult regionals in the bracket. They get Oklahoma, last year's national runner-up, like a kind of a controversial pick. They go 0-2. East Carolina, a very solid number two. And then they get Army. You know, and Army's Army, right? I mean, you expect to win those games. But Virginia just kind of skates right on through there. No drama at all. Uh, the Nashville and Stillwater regionals are over. Really, really wild how this worked out. Oregon, the number two, wins the national Nashville Regional as Xavier upsets Vanderbilt yesterday. You know they had an elongated weather delay and everybody was alleging a conspiracy. At the end of the day, it didn't matter. Xavier beats Vanderbilt and then Oregon beats Xavier to advance. So Oregon, the Ducks, headed to a Super Regional against Oral Roberts. Yeah, you heard that right. Oral Roberts, a team that's just kind of thrown in there geographically. Oklahoma State goes 0-2 in the regional. DBU, probably an Omaha team in waiting. They just can't quite seem to get there. Hefner's a great coach. Washington from the Pac-12, obviously. Not a lot of Pac-12 schools uh, make it to Omaha these days, it seems. But um, Oral Roberts wins. I don't know that anybody except for Oral Roberts fans had picked them to win. So Oral Roberts and Oregon will be a super uh, this weekend. And uh, with Oregon being the two, that should be played in Eugene. All right, bottom quadrant, uh, Indiana State, another difficult regional. And Indiana State, you know, the one mid-major that had the opportunity to host, they get North Carolina and Iowa. Iowa, good pitching, North Carolina, a lot of tradition, and in Wright State, kind of a rising tide in the mid-major. So this was not a cakewalk regional at all, and Indiana State takes care of business there in Terre Haute. And so they will now – move on to play either Arkansas or TCU in a super. Arkansas absolutely destroyed yesterday by TCU. You saw Trey Richardson hit three home runs and tie an NCAA postseason record with 11 RBI. It's ridiculous, man. And that's what has to happen. But now Arkansas, with a very depleted pitching staff, has to go handle this TCU offense in two games today. Of course, TCU just needs one to advance. They're a game behind because of the weather uh, they had on Saturday night. But Arkansas, on the ropes, in Fayetteville, the number three seed. I think earlier we said Miami was. I'm going blind. Miami was the nine seed. Yeah, they were the nine. Pardon me. I was mistaken. But Arkansas, the three seed, on the ropes, Against a TCU offense, it can be absolutely relentless. And you got to think if, if you're TCU and uh, you got to go play Indiana State after an emotional thing at Arkansas, Indiana State kind of takes care of business. They're kind of battle tested. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. So we will set the super regional field today. And, uh, you know, still a lot to be decided today. At this point, only two of the eight super regionals 
uh, have been filled out in the bracket. So today will be an obviously a very eventful day. Weather was really a, a problem over the weekend, but uh, that's kind of where we are. And then all you guys want to know, Steve, what about our pitching coach? Well, here's what I'll tell you. I still believe that Rob Walton is the significant candidate. I don't and can't say for certain that he is the candidate. I believe that he is the leading candidate. That doesn't mean that things are going to work out. I suspect they will, but I want to have the caveat out there. I don't want to just come out here and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. All the chatter that I hear, and I spent a tremendous amount of time on the phone this weekend, kind of suggest that Rob Walton's a guy. We've got a story written, we do, to be prepared, but I can't tell you with 100% confidence it's going to be Rob Walton. Now, today is the first day that State can officially talk to him. I guess maybe Sunday was. Uh, but now they're back in Stillwater. And uh, wrote an update on the jeanspage.com baseball board today to kind of provide some updates. But what I hear, the question I kept having is like, well, why would he leave his alma mater? You know, why, why would he do that? And what I'm told is that at some point, things get stale after a while. It's just kind of time to move on. And not to mention, Mississippi State's pitching coach position last year paid a lot more than the one that Oklahoma State did. And Oklahoma State's one of the top 15 teams in the history of college baseball. I don't know if they get enough respect. But uh, pitching-wise, they were beat up a little bit this weekend, uh, had some injuries, and uh, went 0-2 in their own regional. And so I think everybody is probably just kind of ready to move forward with something else. Uh, the thing that I continue to hear from people that I talk to in pro baseball circles is that Rob Walton may be the best at taking an average pitcher and making him good. You take a guy that's just kind of moving along there, and all of a sudden he figures some things out, and it's not just yelling at guys and what to say to them and challenging them. You know, it's about mechanics. It's about development. But the mental piece is a big part of it. And Rob Walton's a guy that played on the 85 Oklahoma State Omaha team that we played. This guy's been around for a while, for sure. Uh, doesn't have small kids, so there's nothing that, you know, should keep him. You know, it's like there's no – you're not going to hear like a Dan McDonald thing, well, we don't think it's the right time because our kids are in high school. Their kids are grown, right? Have some grandkids. Uh, but I think what people tell me is that a change of scenery may be good for Rob. And so it makes perfect sense. You know, we need to go get somebody. And uh, the thing that I begin to ask myself is – because you second-guess everything you hear. Is this really the guy? I tend to think that it is, but there's always the reservation too, where I think maybe this is out here as smoke to cover for the real candidate. Maybe we're not even on that. And I've talked to a bunch of people and we hadn't gotten any new names. Uh, Kendall Rogers hadn't had new names. A lot of people out there uh, have talked about the job, but have not identified any other candidates. And so I, I say that just because of the fact I want you to be prepared in the event. It's not Rob Walton. I don't want you to feel like the sky is falling. Because it's not the case. Now, we've got to get this hire right. We've got to get an experienced guy that knows how to recruit, evaluate, and develop. And we've got a guy that can, needs to fuel a turnaround right now. Now, a lot of these pitchers, most of them we had this year were first-year guys, right? So they're going to get better just incrementally anyway with a year of experience. But when you've got a coach that's has put guys in the big leagues and a guy that's produced a bunch of uh, you know Big 12 all conference players and small Americans, uh, you feel good about that. And again, Scott Fox, all very indebted uh, to him for his contributions to Mississippi State sports. But I think both of us needed a change, and perhaps that's the case for Rob Walton too. Again, it's a very well respected in Major League Baseball circles. I've talked to a handful of scouts that say when you get Rob Walton's guys, they're prepared and they have a very good uh, 
grasp on the mental aspect of pitching, which speaks well to him. But again, a guy that's pitched at Omaha, you know, so it's not like he's just some dude. He knows what it takes to get there as a player. Uh, been there as a coach as well. Oklahoma State went back in 2016. Uh, but the reality of it is, is until we know, we don't know. And so I, I'll tell you again, I feel that it's trending in that direction, but I'm not ready to give you like the, uh, the Rose Bowl stamp approval just yet. And late in these processes, that's what happens a lot of times too, is you start seeing these names pop up and you have to go research them, but there, there just haven't been a lot of names popping up. And uh, one final thing I'll tell you, I share with our subscribers today, is I've learned uh, through some sources that a couple of our pitchers have been, have been asked, hey, let's not leave for summer ball just yet. Let's put it off a couple days. Because apparently we got a new pitching coach coming to town. So I think this thing will be over this week. I think, barring a snag, it should be over this week. And so, you know, we'll see how things progress. But uh, now that Oklahoma State is officially eliminated, uh, you know, they get on back to Stillwater, and then, you know, he can come and tour our facilities if that's the direction Chris Simonis wants to go, right? That's important to understand, too. You know, this all may be hanging out here as a smokescreen. I don't believe that's the case. But I'm always open to that possibility. Always, always, always. It's never over until it's over. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilebook.com. You can get uh, most of my sports books there. You can get Dogpaw, Alpha Dogs, and Flim Flam. Uh, Blooms of Oleander, I'm not renewing it, so this will be the, uh, the next little stretch. Will be, as a matter of fact, I talked to those people this morning begging me to renew. I said, I got too many irons in the fire. I can't continue to do this. So moving on from that. So if you want to get that and complete your collection, you can go to Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, or to your local bookstore. If you need Stark Villains gear, and I submit to you, you probably do, go to StarkVillains.com, get T-shirt, hoodies, and a variety of colors and styles with that great Stark Villain font. And if you're not a member of JeansPage.com, what are you doing? What are you waiting on? I mean, don't you want to get hyped for football? I mean, doesn't that first segment of the show about Zach Arnett get you hyped up for football? I mean, fall camp's going to be here before you know it. You need a little time to kind of keep up with recruiting. And many people out there are like, oh, I can only worry about it on signing day. Well, you don't, you, you're denying yourself the pleasure of the anxiety of following recruiting. And we got so many knowledgeable posters on our board that a lot of them have seen these kids play and they offer some insight, not available anywhere else. So come be a part of our community. And, of course, uh, with Zach Arnett's first full uh, camp coming up as your head football coach, there'll be a lot to report. We look forward to that. And Zach's a guy, obviously, that uh, – you know, never mince his words. He doesn't give you coach speak. He'll just tell you when things aren't good, that things aren't good. And uh, I look forward to seeing how this thing comes together. You're going to want to be a part of that. Uh, maybe that's a great Father's Day gift, ladies, children, when you think about your dad or grandfather or even yourself. Or maybe it's the father of your children. You think, hey, he's a big Mississippi State fan. What do you give the Bulldog fan that has everything? Well, you give him a subscription to Jeans Page if they don't already have it. Go ahead and sign up today, and then maybe on, on, on Father's Day, you give them the printout for their password and everything. It's always a great idea. And, of course, uh, sign copies of my books. That would be a nice little thing, too. Don't just get Dad a pair of socks. Don't, don't do it. Dad deserves so much, man. Dad's put up with so much of your crap, your nonsense, out there cutting the grass, gritting his teeth because, you know, somebody uh, ran through the house with wet feet. Somebody ate the big piece of chicken when he wasn't looking. Treat Dad a little bit, all right? Don't just get him a coffee cup and a pair of socks and call it a day. Hey, Dad, we got you this card. Nah. I mean, you go out there and you move mountains for Mother's Day, and you barely remove the remote for Father's Day. Come on. Let's make this year the most special Father's Day that Dad's ever had. 
whether you buy my stuff or not. I'm standing on the table for the fathers in the Mississippi State fan base. Make this a special Father's Day. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.